0: Hello there, this is Samuel Gebre. In the next set of conversations, I will be speaking with players, startup founders on the continent who are primarily working in the supply chain, especially in, in small retail spaces. Uh, I shall speak with two big players who have attracted investments of over 50 million each. Uh, Wasoko, that was named by FT as one of the fastest growing startups on the continent has raised over hundred million dollars as early as this year in 2022. The other player is Copier Global, which raised 50 million earlier this year as well, and is in the process of raising a new round. The two players have two slightly different approaches to how they approach the e-commerce space. One uh, is primarily focused on the urban area because uh, of volumes, while the second one focuses on the rural area because they believe that's where the majority of the African economy really is. The conversation is not going to be just about the, the work they do, but also will focus on talent and how regulations affect the affect where the companies are headquartered uh, and the potential for, for growth in, in, in the coming years. So, for the first one, let's talk with the co-founder of Wasoko, Mr. Daniel Yu.
1: Absolutely no. It's been a very busy year. Lots of exciting things happening. Uh, of course, uh, you know Wasoko has uh, continued to grow uh, during this time., uh, you know, I think despite uh, some of the slowdown in uh, global tech markets, otherwise, we successfully expanded um, to the the new markets um, in uh, in uh, francophone West Africa, uh, into Cote d'Ivoire as well as Senegal. Those have actually uh, grown quite uh, uh, quite well, um, and we're very excited uh, about the the potential there. Um, we're even uh, planning a, a few additional country launches, um you know as we speak. so, uh, you know, definitely no slowdown on the on the WSOKO side. Um, I think uh, uh, you know one of the the areas where we've also definitely you know continue to grow as well. And this is maybe a little bit against the trend is is you know in terms of hiring and 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 the team. So we've continued to hire um, quite a, quite a number of people, um, especially on the on the tech side. Um, <clears throat> and I think that actually gets to uh, some of these interesting initiatives um, that that we've been working on. Um, and uh, I explains where I am today, which is in uh, uh, sunny, sunny zanzibar. um and um, you know, I think as we um have been kind of coming out of the pandemic, one of the things that i've I've been really um focused on, and this is once again, I think, a little bit against the grain uh, to some degree, is, you know, recognizing that while uh, remote work has, um significant benefits in terms of the additional flexibility, um, there are also drawbacks and and and, and there are challenges with it. I think especially when it comes to building an innovative uh, tech company, especially um, on, a, on a continent you know as uh, as diverse and large as Africa, um, not having your tech people on the ground with users, um, seeing the challenges and uh, and and responding to that with new ideas with new products day to day is actually a big big um, uh, drawback. And so for for us, um, this is a this is something that I actually identified a few months back, and I started thinking about you know how can we um, you know really tackle this 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 particular challenge, and um, you know we. Um, just kind of organically through the pandemic uh, ended up with um, uh, tech uh, workers uh, all over the place. Um, you know, we um, uh, had our, our kind of core uh, team of engineers and product managers in Kenya um, that, that, that we've always had, uh, but we ended up actually um, uh, bringing on a number of people uh, in India as well, and then uh, even uh, in Europe and a few other places, just you know through the uh, um, uh, the, the the kind of remote working environment. Um, but uh, but as I said, you know, I, I recognize some of the challenges with that setup. And um, I started thinking about, you know if there potentially could be an opportunity um, to uh, uh, kind of uh, reverse that trend and actually open. Um, a global tech office where we could bring together as many of these people as possible in a location that would actually um, be supportive of uh, um of uh, of that type of hub uh, being set up uh, to 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 facilitate the um, the collaboration uh, and uh, and 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 the tech development. and this is this is a very interesting process because I think um we, you know, recognized, um, you know, some of the challenges in our existing markets with trying to make this happen. So, you know, I think, um, and by no means is this unique, but, um, you know, it, it is just, uh, astounding to me, um, the kind of restrictions that, uh, African countries place on each other when it comes to getting visas and, um, uh, you know, issuing work permits and 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 stuff like that. And so you're trying to build a pan African company where you're bringing together talent from across the continent. But, you know, the country where you're based, you know, doesn't want to give visas to those guys. And, you know, you try to go somewhere else, and they don't give visas there. And I think, you know, if you look at the major markets, this is a, a challenge in, in all of them from from what I've seen, you know, Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, and to me, this is this is a insane situation because you have, um, you know, definitely not enough tech workers in any of these markets, you know, to meet the the demand from the the local startups and tech companies that are there. But but even beyond it, you know, the opportunity to actually bring in um, these highly skilled um, professionals who make, you know, significant salaries, which could then be paid into uh, the, the local tax base, um, you know, whether it's on income tax and also just on the local spending power and and and, and how that, um, you know, would, would flow through in terms of, you know, VAT and everything else. But then also the 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 ability to actually then, you know, transfer and learn from each other um, in terms of having, you know, world-class professionals, you know, working alongside the local tech workers, um, you know, that's a huge opportunity to, to build up the local base as well. But I think the, the final thing that, that uh, you know just makes this uh, whole system you know just, just basically meaningless is that you know in the remote working environment, right? I can hire the engineer sitting in India, sitting in Germany, sitting in US, wherever, and they can work for Wasoko or whatever company. So it's not like you know I think that the traditional old school mindset is ah if you if you bring uh, uh, this worker in to Nigeria or to Kenya, you're you're taking a job from a Kenyan or Nigeria. It's like no, they're already working for us. Like they, they, they already work for us, right? So so in fact the 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 only you know impact is upside for you as a government because now instead of them paying you know their income tax to to India or to Germany, they can now pay it to Kenya or they can pay it to Nigeria or whoever else. And also as I said, the benefit to having that highly skilled person now locally working alongside um, you know the the other local talent. So as I said, I I just you know I I've, I've struggled you know with with that concept, and I think you know, in a lot of cases, this is exactly the the force that results in uh, companies opening their Africa offices, um, or, or even moving their entire, um, you know, headquarters to places like Dubai, or London. And to me, that's just, you know, this, this is a ridiculous situation where now you have, you know, African operations and offices being run from outside the continent, right? And, and it just, and, and, and as I said, you know, it's just a, a, I think a pure kind of lost opportunity and an in, and income from the individual, you know, country perspective, you know, individual African countries should be fighting to attract, you know, regional and global offices, not, you know, pushing them away. Um, and so I think, you know, this, this kind of situation was, was what I was struggling with, where, where I wanted to build up, you know, a, a pan African, uh, you know, global tech hub, you know, for us as Wasoko, but um at least in 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 our existing markets, you know didn't see a lot of openness um to to that to that concept. Um, and uh, and so from there, basically, um you know i I took a, I took a step back and and I was just thinking, okay, um you know if we want to open this you know global hub uh, and and you know be able to attract top talent from across but, the context,
0: sorry, yeah. before before we get into the hub uh, sure, sure, sure. and Tanzania itself. I mean, it's 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 pretty interesting, and it seems very obvious as well that if you already have talent that's working for you, you know, let them come and spend more money in, within the country. Pay I don't know taxes locally and and VAT as well. Uh, but I guess it takes a lot of conversations with authorities from your side uh, and anybody who's running a tech company with remote workers to to convince governments to do it. Uh, but also the the thing you said at the beginning. About the remote work, because it seems to be, hey, this is very obvious, like you know, <laughs> and and we we do have conversations about as well, saying, hey, we have cheap tech workers in India who can work in the US, take us, yeah. but the fact that you also sometimes need to be on the ground and understand the problem it, it is is one of those components that we don't necessarily think about unless you are operating on the ground as as, totally. as you are. Uh, so with that, I guess it, it, that was a very really good introduction to the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <for> sure. <laughs> uh, and I guess and and the hub is part of the solution to that, right? So, but but also like for anybody who, who doesn't know Wasoko, just tell you know, kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. what you guys do and and how you plan to solve uh, of course. Of
1: yeah, of course. So 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 Wasoko is an e-commerce company uh, focused on supplying mom and pop stores uh, across uh, Africa. And so basically what we do is help them to order and restock for all the goods that they sell in their store. Um, Things like rice, soap, toilet paper, you name it, Um, as well as also provide them with access to financing um, through specifically uh, order now pay later um, uh, uh, options as well uh, to help them grow and, and address the working capital uh, challenges that uh, that many of them have. So right now, uh, wasoko is active across six countries, um, Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Uganda, uh, Cote d'Ivoire and Senegal, um, and supplies uh, over 75,000 um, mom and pop stores uh, across uh, across these markets.
0: Okay, increased uh, by 25k since the last time we talked.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a
0: big, that's a big leap.
1: Uh,
0: And for anybody who doesn't know, like Wasoco raised 125 earlier this year, uh, in March valued at was 600, which I guess the value has probably changed now. Uh, It's it's probably much higher. Uh, So yeah, so tell me about the hub and Mm -hmm. and I I don't yet see how that solves.
1: Yeah, connecting to connecting to the problem. Yes, absolutely. So so you know we we had this core issue which is you know we wanted to bring our our, our global widely dispersed, you know, tech workers together as much as possible in Africa, close to, um, uh, as close to our customers as possible. Um, and so that we could be, and, and in an enabling environment where we were welcomed, where we were given, you know, the resources and everything to, to have a successful, uh, you know, tech office. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of started this off first principles, just, stepping back and saying, you know, if we could open a um, tech office anywhere in, uh, in our regions, in our neighborhood, you know, where, where would we, you know, uh, ideally want to do that? And, um, of course, you know, when it comes to top uh, destinations in East Africa, um, I believe uh, Zanzibar is, uh, you know, probably the, the, the most recognized and, and, and perhaps most visited as well. Um, and, uh, of course, um, uh, you know, I'd, uh, visited several times over the years, just on holiday, uh, always, always enjoyed it. And I think just the global name recognition as well, you know, you talk to, uh, folks in, you know, India, Germany, U.S., you know, everybody has this uh, image of the tropical island and, and, uh, and, and, you know, overall nice, lovely place to be. Uh, and so, you know, that just kind of, uh, was one of the, uh, you know, top places that came to mind. And uh, from there, I uh, reached out to some contacts, uh, you know, given we already do business in mainland Tanzania, and um, uh, just started to inquire about, you know, whether this type of, you know, tech initiative could in fact be something that the government was, um, uh, was open to. And, you know, I've, I've actually seen, uh, just through our business on the mainland, that, um, you know, Tanzania, um has has actually transformed dramatically in a positive direction uh, in terms of business environment um, since uh, uh, Samia Hassan uh, has taken over as uh, as president um, and we've, we've seen overall um, just uh, you know the the regulation openness of the administration to be very high. Um, but then the interesting thing is that Zanzibar is in fact an autonomous region within uh, Tanzania and they have in fact um, their own government they have their own Ministers, they have their own president, um, and they 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 control um, uh, their own legislation too, um, which which has significant uh, differences and 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 uh, realities from what you see otherwise. So, for example, in Zanzibar, foreigners can own property, whereas in the mainland, you can't. Um, they in fact have a lower VAT here than they have in the mainland, so they have a lot of control over 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 their 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 local policies. Um, and uh, so, after after speaking to some contacts, I was. Um, able to be connected, um, uh, in fact, directly uh, to the, to the minister, uh, the Minister of Investment and Economic Development in Zanzibar um, uh, to, to, to kind of, you know, discuss uh, what, what we were uh, looking to do. Um, And in fact, um, the reception was immediately um, very positive. Um, The interesting thing is that Zanzibar had already seen an influx of digital nomads over the COVID period, Um, And many people, especially from Europe, uh, who came down to, uh, you know, escape the the cold and the the lockdown uh, winters and, you know, work remotely from, you know, a beautiful uh, sunny environment. Um, And that was actually something the government had recognized um, as being a huge positive, because at that time, many other tourists, the mainstream tourists were not coming through, but these digital nomads were coming, they were staying, you know, for more extended periods. um, And that was actually a big boost to the economy. Uh, when it was otherwise, um, you know, quite uh, quite limited on the tourism side, um, and so you know, when when I uh, initially discussed with the minister that hey, we want to actually you know build out uh, uh, you know a, a permanent you know kind of tech center to, to 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 bring in you know as uh, and relocate as many as our workers as possible, um, he he immediately understood um, uh, the potential of of what we were doing. Um, I think I think what was also exciting was just to see, uh, you know, he's uh, uh, the minister Mudrik uh, 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 Soraga is, uh, uh, I think, a very progressive, open-minded uh, gentleman. You know, he's he's young, I believe, only 37. Uh, you know, went to school in the states, and so I think he he understands, you know, what the what the kind of digital world is and the opportunity with it. Um, and yeah, you know, after kind of laying out the points of look, you know, this is a huge economic opportunity, and and uh, uh, he shared actually as well that the the government of Zanzibar has in fact uh, this uh, uh, this this kind of uh, long-term economic plan uh, called the blue economy, which is basically all about how how can they diversify um, and add in new industries in addition to tourism, um, while still maintaining and protecting obviously you know the, the the beautiful you know island environment and you know the the whole idea is what are the kind of low footprint um, uh, industries that can be built up. And in fact, you know, ICT was already, uh, you know, part of that um, part of that plan. Um, uh, just hadn't necessarily been fleshed out, and, and the right partners hadn't come along. And so, um, you know, with with us kind of coming through with with our own idea, I didn't even know about, you know, this 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 um, uh, uh, kind of uh, master plan previously. Um, it was kind of a perfect fit. And uh, what we realized is that you know, now is a a huge opportunity to actually kind of formalize something to specifically drive that because, you know, as I said, you know, Zanzibar needs to diversify away from tourism um, and they they need to have, they need to find some of these other industries that can thrive in, you know, an island environment where you don't have, you know, a huge amount of space and, you know, tech uh, is perfect for that in the sense that, you know, as long as, you know, we have some desks and internet access, you know, we're good to go. Um, And so, what, what we've ended up um, uh, finalizing on uh, with the government uh, is uh, an official Silicon Zanzibar uh, initiative, um, whereby um, uh, we will be uh, in fact uh, officially uh, inviting um, uh, tech companies from across the continent, um, as well as you know, even beyond who, who are looking to, to, to do business on it um, to relocate uh, to Zanzibar. Um, and uh, as part of that, uh, be able to receive um, you know all the work visas uh, for their people that are needed um, to, to, to bring their teams here, um, as well as other incentives that already exist under um, the free economic uh, zone programs they have, including um, a 10 year uh, corporate tax holiday um, for, for, for companies um uh and a range of other benefits um uh, along with i think kind of longer-term support to uh, potentially develop policies and legislation um that that are specifically aimed at uh, uh at tech companies um as well um so i think yeah, this is a, a super exciting uh initiative and, and as i said you know if you look at um all the other tech ecosystems in in you know the other uh, kind of major tech markets right now in africa be it you know, Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, I think uh, you could uh, say that those tech ecosystems exist despite their governments. Uh, you know, in most cases, I think uh, there's been a, a lot of um, you know, active uh, uh, you know, interference and, and, and opposition. And I think what's super exciting to me and the reason why I myself have personally moved uh, to Zanzibar already along with the majority of uh, my tech team, um, is because we, we see the potential of having a positive uh, enabling environment and partnership with the government to actually you know, create a, uh, um, uh, an African you know, hub for tech where we know that you know, we'll be able to uh, experiment and, and, and try new products and be able to work hand-in-hand with them. Um, to, to develop app services that we can then, you know, export to the rest of our other markets um, a, a, as a pan-African company.
0: I mean, that's pretty interesting. It's not something I would have expected. Uh, Zanzibar, you know, the paradise, you know, East close to be kind of the home of where Africa's tech would be. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm slightly jealous that I'm not in, in sunny Zanzibar right now.
1: <laughs> hey, you're welcome <laughs> at Any time.
0: Uh, in terms of uh, like two kind of two questions on that in terms of like the cost for you uh, Hmm. moving people to Zanzibar does it make sense to have uh, to have that hub and then kind of like secondly who else is you know who else are you talking to on the continent that is seeing this and saying hey this actually makes sense I'm gonna move my people to Zanzibar as well who's following you?
1: so so um you know in in terms of the you know the economics of it you know i mentioned um uh at the beginning of the call this pain point around just the 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 productivity or the uh the 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 struggles with you know really innovating and and collaborating um to develop new product and technology you know with the remote working structure and you know we we've, we've had uh, you know myself and um, the majority of the tech team down here for um, over a month now. And what's really interesting is we've been measuring the the productivity of um, our people in person, you know, here um, versus you know what it was before with the same people um, in the in the kind of remote environment. And uh, we've actually seen um, a a difference of close to three x in the productivity. So we we're, we're talking a, a nearly 200% increase in productivity. If you just look at, you know, number of features developed and speed and all that, it's it's just remarkable. Um and so I think I so think Elon
0: it, it, Musk I is right about Elon Musk is right about you know pushing his people to go back to the yeah, office. <laughs> I, I,
1: yeah, I, 100%, you know, I, I don't agree with everything he says, but but I I do think that when it comes to, you know, getting work done and and just being able to work through problems as well as specifically come up with new ideas and quickly implement them there is there is no replacement for being in a room with a whiteboard and just you know figuring it out and i think that that's what we've seen especially you know you and you can just break it down right if if you're if you're running a tech team and right now your process for developing a new idea is okay i have i have a i have a concept let me schedule a Zoom call. Maybe it takes two, three days just to get all the right people uh, coordinated on their calendars for the call. You do the call, you explain the, the the initial idea. People say, okay, here's some other things we need to figure out. Okay, everybody, you know, go back for a week, think about it, come back with more details. Okay, next week you come back, you you, you have the general outline now. Okay, fine, we're agreed, good. Let's now hand it over to the developers. And then the developers, you know, they have their sprint cycle every two weeks so maybe you have to wait another week or so from the done and then like literally it's three four weeks before the thing actually gets built whereas like you know we've been able to run you know hackathons and these kinds of things here where it's like we just literally have you know all the right people in the room we figure out what's the what's the problem what's the thing that needs to be built all the details and like boom it gets coded done in 24 hours and it's like this kind of thing is just not possible in the remote work environment um, and and I think like that's The reality is, like, I think if you're if you're a big established uh you know legacy corporate company and you know you have your you have your product, you have your systems, whatever, and you're not really changing that much day to day anymore, then you know, I think you can I I still think probably in-person work is more productive for a number of things, but you know, maybe the trade-off and the flexibility to your workers. Um, because they're, they're more just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, corporate lifestyles and stuff like that. And they really, you know, uh, value the benefits and flexibility and stuff like that. I think maybe you can have an argument about, you know, net, net, what is better for your organization, you know, remote or, or in person. But I think if you're, if you're a, if you're an agile startup or, or, or growth stage, you know, tech company, like we are, that still needs to be innovating and building new products and services for your customer base, then you're, 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 you're losing out a huge amount of productivity and value by having all your people scattered in different places, um, because you need to be reacting fast. You need to be reacting fast to your customers, to the market, you know, coming up with new products because, you know, none of us have, 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 have fully scaled and matured yet. So we're still in this growth phase where we need to be, you know, agile and reactive, you know, in the environment. Um, and I think that's, that's where, you know, we're seeing the huge benefit. And, you know, I think I think. I uh, um, uh, to to your point as well, um, we actually uh, are are uh, I, I've I've just been you know informally uh, talking to um, a lot of my other you know CEO uh, friends recently about this, um, and then now uh, I'm I'm starting to share you know ahead of our official announcement next week what what we're actually now doing in Zanzibar, um, and the interest um, is is actually quite um, uh, uh, quite exciting. So in fact we are. Um, going to be hosting uh, uh, um, uh, Africa uh, growth stage CEO retreat uh, later this year in Zanzibar to specifically bring everyone here to see what's happening with Silicon Zanzibar um, and, you know, the opportunity that's uh, that's here. And we already have, um, you know, RSVPs um, from some of the, the, the biggest, uh, you know, tech CEOs on the continent to come do that, um, which is quite exciting. Um, there are already... Um, uh, two or three other companies that are committed uh, to opening offices you know here in in Zanzibar as well, um, which uh, uh, we we plan to announce you know after the uh, the, the initial launch. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that, as I said, you know, the the combination of a, you know, attractive market, but also um, you know, just a, a supportive government, Uh, You know, I can't emphasize enough how much of a breath of fresh air that is, you know, relative to, you know, anybody else um, uh, that I've spoken to um, when it comes to government tech, uh, because the reality is, um, you know, I have, I, apart from Zanzibar, I have not had anywhere close to the level of interaction and, you know, support and, and understanding when it comes to the potential opportunity for tech in Africa. I mean I think the reality is if you crunch the numbers you know tech is the the fastest growing major industry in in Africa you know there's no other there's no other sector that went from you know 500 million dollars in investment you know 5 years ago to you know 5 billion dollars last year there's no 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 other sector that's had a 10x increase in the in the amount of investment you know that that it's received and so you know back to the point again about like I think governments have just not yet woken up to the to the opportunity um, and the the transformative impact that tech can have on their economies. And as I said, in fact, you know, if anything, they've they've actively stood in the way of the development of those ecosystems. Um, and and the thing that I think they 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 haven't recognized is that you know, unlike more traditional industries like where you have a a huge physical presence and infrastructure behind them, you know, tech is mobile. So, you know, if uh, you know, um, uh, you're not providing the right policy environment for us to be, you know, working and innovating in your country, then, you know, where I I think, you know, the the prudent thing to do as as a tech leader is to consider are there other Locations that you know can be more supportive, you know, for yeah. building out the the talent and 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 um, and, and 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 the tech base uh, that you need to, um, you know, as a, as a Pan African business. I so mean, yeah,
0: it, it's 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 super interesting, and as as I said again, I mean I'm, I'm I'm more shocked that Zanzibar is the one place that you found to be that. That uh, sort of corner on the continent that is doing this because some places that would come to mind would be even Kigali and, and partly possibly now even I think Alexandria and, uh, and I understand why you know you're saying like Nigeria and, and Kenya have more or less played a negative role of seen that happening but it's interesting yeah. that you know Zanzibar is doing uh, is trying to attract and, and it makes sense like it's it's a, it's a good place for for remote quotes, remote work uh, but also can I just ask you about or in terms of like the question about talent uh has mm. has kind of come up as like a key a key point of conversation especially for african startups uh local startups sometimes who end yeah. up having to lose talent mm. because you know like daniel comes with his uh, investment in tech or you know like a a big corporation in the us does it has it been how do you how do you like approach the hiring process in itself uh and and the value getting from the talent for operations on the continent.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think um, you know, talent is a is a highly highly competitive uh, space, and it, and it's a especially on the tech side, right? You know, the 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 amount of tech workers that we have in Africa right now is nowhere close to what's needed to meet the demand for it. So, kind of by definition, you know, we need to be looking outside as well and actually bringing people to the continent um which is quite exciting because i think this is the one is one area where uh you know instead of having a brain drain theoretically we can have actually a brain boost uh in terms of you know bringing you know highly talented highly skilled professionals you know in and as i said i think that's that's a net benefit overall to the ecosystem because you know, guys locally who otherwise, you know, might not have had the experience to work alongside, you know, world class engineer or something like that, you know, now get that exposure to do so. Um, I think at the same time, right, you know, uh, uh, you know, we also, we do need to still fight and push back against some of the brain drain where it's like you have, you know, engineers, developers who, you know, are uh, taking jobs, you know, in the US or Canada or whatever, or even kind of you know, what, what I like to call the virtual brain drain, right, which is like they take jobs with Microsoft, you know, for example, Nairobi. Um, so they haven't physically moved. But, you know, in terms of the actual work and the, the tech that they're building, it's not actually for the continent, right? You have somebody who's working on, you know, uh, uh, you know, adjusting the button of, 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 you know, the next version of Excel, uh, you know and this this is a, a, a brilliant engineer who could be you know instead building something transformative you know in Kenya uh, to actually help the kenyan people right but he or she instead is you know doing some you know small uh, adjustment that's mostly going to benefit uh, you know bankers in the us or something like that so so i think you know that that's that's where i think there's an opportunity to if we could really improve the working environment for tech workers in Africa so that you know they 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 feel welcomed and and in fact tech workers globally feel also welcomed and invited to come to Africa then you know from a from a from a, a company you know and and just African tech ecosystem development perspective you know the sky's the limit obviously given the amount of investment that's coming in the 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 sheer amount of of, uh of opportunities that still remain you know there's still even even though tech investment africa has grown tremendously it's still a very small fraction of the overall global tech investment right um and so you know i think uh, you know the most limited resource you know that that any you know tech ceo in Africa will tell you right now is on the talent side we need more talent we need more people coming in you know we want to hire where we're, we're not finding enough um especially on the tech side and and that's where you know i want to see where we can level up and and, and and, and, and increase that quality as quickly as possible, you know, with the right uh, environment to do so. Yeah. And that, that's, by the way, I mean, that's where I think a place like Zanzibar is super, um, attractive and, and because it has the global name recognition already, you know, we can, we can, we can talk to developers, you know, in Germany, uh, you know, in India, in the U S but also, you know, in Nigeria and in Morocco or wherever else and say, Hey, like, you know, why do you want to stay in Lagos where you have these, you know, special forces police who are like, you know, shaking you down and, you know, stealing your laptops and accusing you of being, you know, a a digital uh, thief, you know, when you can just like come actually focus in a place that, you know, is is open and friendly and, and, and wants you here, you know, as a tech worker. Right. Um, So I think, I think these are the kinds of things that, um, you know, if we have at least one place in Africa that can really lead the way, in doing this, then, you know, my my hope is that, you know, every country across Africa adopts these policies that Zanzibar has, because, I mean, that that's fundamentally what's going to really transform things. And and you want to have that, that competition to attract and build out as enabling a tech environment as possible. Um, But, you know, you have to get started somewhere. And I think, as I said, you know, Zanzibar, for all these reasons of being, you know, a, an island economy, you know, with limited other, you know, economic industries that they can really focus on you know is leading the way here um, but i think that they're, they're doing it in a very um uh very smart and very prudent manner um and especially you know in partnership with um you know a company like Wasoko, which is you know the largest company uh in east africa largest tech company in east africa you know the fastest growing company in africa overall uh, you know this this you know partnership i think just uh makes a lot of sense for all those reasons
0: just for me to have a kind of like an understanding of what the, the hub in terms of like its size, you know, you know how, many, how much investment is going into it and how many people will be able to accommodate just to have yeah. a, a visual of it. Can you just explain that?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, so far we've, uh, we've committed to uh, investing um, uh, $10 million here um, uh, and uh, uh, building this up uh, to being um, uh, over five hundred people, uh, just on the Wasoko side. Um, Of course, that'll take place you know over a few years. Um but uh, yeah, and that's just us as Wasoko. Um, i I believe that um, you know over uh, over time and even quite soon, you know, we'll be attracting hopefully many, many more companies to come here as well, set up bases and and be investing, and in, as I said, for, an island economy like uh, Zanzibar, I think that'll have an enormous impact. Yeah,
0: uh, I mean, I, I want to ask you about kind of like the funding environment overall for the continent, and, and also specific questions to you. But I I want us to go just for like a, a moment, go back to the like the nitty gritties of running an e-commerce platform, and I, I just want to get your your views on on how you approach uh, running an e-commerce platform on on the continent. Uh, yeah. Kind of like, are you looking at it like a, an, an overall integration of the whole, from bottom up, you want to own everything, you want to run everything, are you rural, are you urban? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is, how do you approach that? Sure, that?
1: sure. So, um, you know, Wasoko is a uh, fully integrated uh, operating model. Um, so we have our own logistics, we have our own warehousing, um, and, uh, we do, you know, our own direct procurement from the manufacturers, um, to get the goods, uh, in terms of our, our focus environment, it is urban, um, uh, or, you know, kind of, uh, uh, urban and, uh, uh you know, peri-urban a bit you know, to get out, um, within the routes, but, you know, generally speaking, say, you know, within, um, uh, you know, 40-50 kilometers of, you know, city centers and the the reason for that is because of um the required productivity on the delivery economics right if you're delivering to uh you know shops in the village but it takes you you know three hours to get to the village and you're only delivering to two shops there and then you have to drive you know all the way back you know that's that's a whole truck a whole vehicle that's held up the whole day um and you're not getting you know the 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 um the productivity that you need on that you know for us Um, right now, you know, the average, uh, uh, average vehicle is delivering, you know, over 30 orders a day. Um, so in order to get that kind of productivity, you need to have the density, uh, of, of shops in the urban area. Um, and I think just in terms of, um, you know, just the, 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 the rapid urbanization of African cities overall, Um, this is also clearly the place to focus, right? I mean, this is where incomes are rising the highest, this is where population is growing the fastest, um, and where, you know, informal retail is, is the most present. Um, so that's, uh, that's how we focus. And I think, you know, to the, to answer the, the question of like, why do we have fully integrated operations versus, you know, kind of potentially the, the quote unquote third party, um, or asset light approach, um the 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 answer is you know this this came out of necessity um in fact when we first came to market you know my background is as a software developer and and the initial idea was in fact to be a you know asset light um you know software only platform only solution um whereby shops would use our tech to place their orders and then suppliers had basically a portal where they could see the orders come in and be able to go out and, you know, deliver them uh, themselves. Um, What we very quickly discovered, and this is, you know, we're talking, um, you know, over six years ago at this point, um, was that the on-demand distribution capacity of the suppliers or their distributors um, was simply not there. Uh, And, you know, you, you, in order, the, the most important thing to build trust um, you know, in your services as an e-commerce company, um, is reliable delivery. And if a customer orders products, but they don't come, then that destroys, you know, your, your, your relationship with the customer and, and, and defeats the whole purpose, the value proposition. And, you know, you only have to mess that up once to basically, you know, um, lose the customer forever. And I think what we realized is, you know, in this, uh, environment where, you know, uh, These external parties, you know, be it a distributor or who else, you know, can simply not be trusted. um, That the only way that we could ensure that, you know, hundred percent or ninety nine point nine percent, you know, delivery uh, commitment is to do it ourselves. Um, And in fact, uh, so so that that's why we went down that direction originally. Uh, But I would say, in fact, now um, this is our our greatest advantage and our biggest moat because I don't know of any other uh e-commerce or or logistics company out there that has their vehicles doing you know 30 deliveries a day uh you know this this, this is this enormous you know kind of amount of productivity and it takes a lot of you know good operations and tech to actually make that kind of um uh, that kind of uh, uh efficiency happen and for you know us the fact that we 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 have done that you know we've you know, fully mapped out where all of these mom and pop stores are. Um, you know, we have the the algorithms and the the routing engine to be able to um, you know properly allocate and, and and do these kinds of deliveries. Um, I think is a huge advantage that anybody who you know um, comes in, kind of quote unquote, you know, with a third party approach where they try to just kind of outsource the logistics and they say, hey, here are your deliveries. Like, you know, make sure that the stuff gets to these shops. Uh, I, I just don't see them coming close to kind of our level of reliability um, uh, with our customers.
0: And, and kind of on the same question, how in the six markets that you're in, how does how do the margins kind of vary, and where do you see opportunities?
1: Yeah. so I mean, g- generally speaking, um, you know our margins are higher in our more established markets, um, which makes sense because, you know, we have bigger volumes there we've had longer term relationships with those suppliers um and so uh you know we we we've been able to uh you know negotiate uh, with them over time uh newer markets are still ramping up but we are seeing you know I think a kind of similar trajectory in terms of the margins and so we expect um that uh um that uh, you know we uh, will be seeing um you know profitable economics there uh you know in the long term as well um and yeah I mean I think overall um, you know we are um, you know on track um, to, to to have all um, you know of our of our operations um you know delivering orders profitably um, uh, within the next uh, 12 months actually so uh, we're in a very good place um, uh, overall you know as a, as a business
0: I mean that, that is impressive because you don't, we don't you don't get to hear a lot of startups uh saying that they'll be profitable. Not soon, like, I guess seven years is, is, is not a short period of time, but still. Uh, yeah,
1: and and to then, clarify, uh, clarify that, that'll be profitable at the country level, not profitable at the full group level. And the distinction there is basically that um, at the group level, we'll still be investing in our engineers and more of these tech guys and, and management, and stuff like that. Um, but at the operating level, you know, the the idea um, or the, the, the target is to be profitable, um, you know, by the, uh, by the end of 2023.
0: Okay, and then lastly, are you back in the markets, raising again? Uh, and with that, kind of like, let's talk about the the whole Africa space.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, in in terms of uh, uh, you know, currently we're uh, 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 very much still doing fine uh, in terms of our our, our cash balance, um, you know. But it's it is interesting. You know, we have had. Um, you know, we have been approached by uh, investors, you know, even still despite, um, you know, the, the, the market downturn, um, who are still very interested in, you know, how they can get involved, you know, when we will raise uh, funds next. Um, interestingly, we've also been approached by investors who are interested in um, uh, working with us to specifically uh, acquire, um, you know, and, uh, and, and consolidate other companies um, within the market. Um, so I think, what uh, you know, you think. So so basically, um, you know, they're uh, you know Wasoko is now you know one of the largest tech companies you know on the continent. Um, you know, certainly in our space, you know, kind of e-commerce. Um, uh, you know, apart from uh, Jumia, which I think is is more of a uh, you know uh, uh, plateaued and and uh, uh, you know not really seeing you know much growth day to day. Um, you know, where we're, we're uh, I think, kind of very representative of what I think is, is, you know, the new wave of e-commerce and really the mass market e-commerce, if you could say that, which is, you know, I think B2B um, reaching the mom and pop store, which is where, you know, over 90% of all goods in Africa are, are, are bought and sold. Um, you know, this is really how you reach um, the mass market as opposed to, you know, the B2C approach. Um, And so, um, you know, for us as, uh, you know, the market leader in in that space, um, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in how uh, our company can um, uh, potentially consolidate, acquire other players, both within our vertical, um, so other folks who might be doing B2B in different markets, but then also um, adjacent services, so other companies that might be uh, uh, offering tools or services that are serving these mom and pop stores as well, um, and could potentially be um, combined with, with our current offering. Um, and so I think there, there are a lot of investors who, um, you know, are very interested in these types of um, consolidations, these kind of, you know, mergers or, I mean, acquisitions um, that can kind of create an even more dominant player within the market. Um, and, you know, they see the kind of clear value creation in that type of, um, uh, that type of transaction. And that's, uh, um, that, that's something that, uh, we, I, have been, uh, hearing or, or been, uh, been solicited, I would say more and more about, uh, you know, people asking, Hey, what are our plans to do this? You know, have you considered acquiring this company? You know, we'd be interested in, you know, giving you the funds, uh, investing in you to then go acquire that type of company. So very, very interesting types of, uh. Of, um of uh, conversations uh like that that have been happening
0: yeah no, I think the the consolidation and and the m a were expected to be the main topic for 2022 so mm-hmm. I, I guess you you're heading it and yeah unfortunately the the whole global space has shifted so maybe it's not happening as much as you would expect it uh, to be happening but uh yeah I mean Daniel I think that was <laughs> a very a very insightful conversation and I hope you enjoyed that conversation. There was a lot of interesting things that uh, Daniel said. In the next conversation, I'm going to be talking with Tracy Turner, the co-founder of Copia Global, who is running the e-commerce platform in East Africa with plans to expand into West Africa as well. Seems to be that is the, the trend.